Happy, uh, happy Wednesday. Yeah, happy, happy Wednesday, man. Well, uh, we're uh, we're excited. Sorry, you guys, we had a time zone uh, mix up. So if you're waiting for the last hour for the show, we are uh, we are going we are going live. Apologize. Yeah, I mean uh, it's three thirty somewhere. Yeah, it's three thirty somewhere. So, um, but yeah, before we get started, we are happy to announce um, we weren't uh, actively looking for sponsors, uh, but we had one come to us, and we said, you know, why not? Um, they're a great, great company. Um, so you see the HD Ships logo on the bottom right. Um, they are a agent program, um, top-notch agent program. Um, and yeah, they are a sponsor of the show. Um, we're excited to have them on. Um, so that's why uh, you see the HD Ships logo that'll be in the uh, you know, back of all of our uh, um, back of our backdrop of all our shows. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we weren't uh, actively seeking it out, but, um, you know, the company came to us and, and we can get on board with what they do. So, um, you know, happy, happy to be a part of that. Yeah, Alex might have a, a, another broker you can book uh, book freight from now. Yeah, so. I've seen them, seen them on the load boards. It might actually work out for, for me big time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so we're going to have probably, I think, once a quarter, we're going to have someone um, from a, an agent on there um, kind of talk about agent programs and, you know, things um, things as well. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get it. I'm excited for today. We got Tony, uh, Darnell. Um, a lot of you, I'm sure know Tony from LinkedIn. He's a great guy, super knowledgeable, super funny. Um, just an all around, you know, great personality and we're excited. We're really excited to have him on. Yeah. Um, you want to say anything else, some background about him or we want to just bring him in? Yeah, and the ones who don't, I mean, we're gonna ask Tony. You know, give us a little bit of background of his history, and um, yeah, go from there. Let's uh, let's bring uh, Tony in. How's hey, it going, Tony? Hey, Tony. It's ugly sweater day, so. <laughs> you, I mean, you, I wouldn't uh, hit that one too ugly. It's pretty nice. I don't know, man. It's a it's a reindeer with uh, Christmas lights on it that don't light up, so that's kind of <laughs> ugly. Did you win the uh, contest this year for best uh, best ugly sweater? I did not. There were people that had glow in the dark and light up stuff and flaps and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'd like to see how the glow in the dark ones worked out, how you could see that. But. Well, they're interesting. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're excited to have you on, Tony. Um, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. I guess if you want to start, maybe um, I know you've been in the industry for a while, from the driver side to um, you know, shipper side, different roles. You want to maybe just give a lot of people that are watching, you know, know you, but for the ones that don't maybe just kind of give a little background of uh, cool. how you got into logistics and, you know, yeah, you're a little bit about you. Sure. Hi, I, uh, I'm Tony. I'm 30 year veteran of the industry. My, uh, my dad was a truck driver. Uh, I worked in a factory and then went, started hauling campers uh, and then got into a semi. And then I, I just loved trucks when I was a kid, like every kid that's a guy that, played with trucks i got to ride in a semi once and that was like the coolest thing ever it was an old cab over i rode from indy to south bend and i thought man that was just awesome and i had such a fun time um it's just never left ever since then i've always thought it was really cool and i thought i'll, I'll get sometime i dropped out of college it took me like 15 years to go through school um but sometime during that time when i was in school and out of school and working i decided that I'll get my CDL. I'll drive for a little while and, you know, pay off school and get going. And well, that was almost 30 years ago. So <laughs> here we are. I drove for a long time. I got a couple million miles and uh, I tried sitting at the brokerage desk and that just wasn't for me. I'm not a sales guy. 
So I've been shipping. I've been shipping ever since then, but uh, driving and shipping is most of what I've done. So you got a couple million miles of driving under your belt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now I've seen the, the million Hawaii, miles. Washington, place. Oregon, and Maine is the only place I haven't been. Haven't been. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Wyoming. Posts, and usually it's like one million, but I've never heard, you know, multi millions a different story. Oh, man. It doesn't take that long to get that much. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, back when there was paper log books, I'm sure it didn't take that long at all. Oh, no. It took a lot longer with paper. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go there. You didn't see me. Now, ask Ingrid how many miles she's got. I bet you she's got a couple. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure she or Dan. Dan's probably got a ton as well. Yeah. Um, well, I guess tell us a little bit about your current your current role, kind of what you guys uh, you know do. I mean, I, I see your company's posts on you know LinkedIn all the time. It seems like a great you know culture, a great place to be a, a shipper a shipper at. But um, yeah, to kind of just tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your role now and what kind of you're doing at uh, at Lippert. Well, here let me grab my thing here. So I keep this right in front of my desk at all times, um, hanging on the wall. It is, Lippert is a company that was started in the 50s, I believe, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, make, making uh, mobile home frames. And it just grew and grew and grew, and they ended up being, they went public. Um, our CEO currently is the grandson of the founder. Uh, he was not picked because of his last name, but he's definitely qualified. Uh, really good guy, very personable. And about 11, 12 years ago, he had his own personal faith journey that took him to a place where he wanted to change the company. And let's see what we could do if we started treating our people like they were the most important piece of our company. And it's, it's a journey. It's not a destination and we're not all there yet. And there's some plants that are better than others, but uh, overall they have these core values um, and leader qualities. Like our core values is we're passionate about winning we have team play with trust. We have honesty, integrity, and candor with each other. We care about people and we have a positive attitude. And we live that. And each leader has a quality list that we, on the other side of the card that is where a leader quality is a motivator, a servant leader, someone who's humble and coachable, an effective communicator, and someone who's courageous. Those are the qualities that we look for in people. And then the skills of doing the job we can teach. I mean, it's assembly and uh, manufacturing. There's not a lot of super skilled positions uh, we have some really good welders that are very skilled, but uh, a lot of what we do is assembly and manufacturing. Um, we're in the marine market. We're in the aftermarket business with automotive accessories. Kurt Hitches. I don't know if you've heard that name, C-U-R-T, the Hitch company. Uh, sounds that's familiar, a, but I don't know who. That's that a division is. of Lippert. Um, ranch Hand Bumpers, you know, Tyler Sheridan, the Yellowstone guy. Uh Ranch Hand is a big name in Texas. When I lived down there, every truck, you could buy them from the dealership brand new with these big, huge, like solid steel bumpers and rear ends and uh, headache racks and bed bars across there. That they're, they're, more, they're more functional than decorative. Like you can, like they mount winches on these things. They're not like I actually do stuff with them. because Yeah, I mean, you could hit a deer and it's okay. Yeah, and every <laughs> truck had one of those bars, but a lot of them are made out of like, let's say, hollow. Like they were decorative. Yes. Yeah, there's a big difference between the decorative and the functional ones. Yeah, one you hit and it rattles, Matt, the other one you hit and your hand hurts. I was asking Matt kind of what your company does. Uh, I tried to look into it a bit today, and I saw uh, a video about a Ford Bronco with uh, those coming outside skirts. So I was, uh, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, we have. Uh, so we do aftermarket automotive stuff. We make parts for trailers. We still do manufactured housing chassis. We make RV chassis. We make uh, RV windows, doors, ramp doors, the slide out unit that moves, uh, the hydraulics. We so the have, best summary would be like functional, I guess, automotive parts in a sense. Yep. Uh, we, we, we make a ton of axles for trailers. Uh, we have a huge plant here in Indiana, and we have another huge plant in uh, outside of Dallas in Waxahachie, Texas. A uh, big facility there that makes a ton of axles. We make, we're the largest awning manufacturer. We make mattresses. I mean, you name it. If it's automotive, recreational, vehicle, marine, uh, train windows. Over in Europe, we have... Uh, I don't know if you go to the grocery store and you see the, the doors on the refrigerated sections. We make those doors over there. <laughs> All kinds of we, – we do a lot of stuff. It's very innovative. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Europe. Maybe I've used one of your uh, refrigerator doors. You probably <laughs> do. Right. It's pretty standard. Are cool. you are you um, hauling that then on a combination of flatbed, van, uh, you know, box trucks and what, what's your main, uh, you know, main for, I know you guys have your own fleet, I believe. Yes. For something too. <laughs> we have curtain sides, drop decks, flatbeds and vans. We do. I mean, if it's axles, we're hauling them on, on uh, flatbeds. The ramp doors are huge because those doors are like the whole back end of a camper where you park your side by side inside. Um, so those are on a drop deck so that they can clear height. Uh, I'm yeah. in a plant that makes, manufactured housing windows, you know, square vinyl windows that you can buy at Barton's home outlet anywhere in North America. That's an aftermarket entry level window that we manufacture here and in a couple other plants around the country. But yeah, we're, we're all over the place, but that's all dry van stuff there. Before I forget, because I know you were talking kind of about the core values of, of Lippard and um, you've obviously been a driver as well. Um, I saw I saw a post, I think, from Sam Watts about an hour ago or two, you know, talking about a lot of shippers, you know, nowadays are loading trucks, you know, overweight, a lot more, a lot more issues. Do you, do you think that has anything to do with the fact that, you know, not every company has, you know, the same you know, culture as Lippert, that maybe that the pay is down on the dock side or not enough qualified? I mean, you, you guys run into, you think that's a bigger problem than it was maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago? Here's my take on that. And Sam's a really good dude. And I like him a lot. Um, I'm not qualifying that at all, but um, I say this all the time. People call me a broker basher and I really don't like that because I, I want to partner with brokers and I, I some of my best friends are brokers. Um, I say this a lot and I've been saying this for years. I, there's a ton of bad shippers, tons of them. I'm a shipper and you know, I paid attention. I mean, it happens. The stuff doesn't go right at the dock all the time. Sometimes we have to call a truck in before that stuff's sitting here done. And it's just because you have to do it that way. But more often than not, it's probably just flat out ignorance more than it is apathy. I don't think people are saying, oh, screw this guy, you know, put all the weight in the front. I think they're just sticking it in there. They don't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. I, I know you brought up brought up the tension too we asked uh john brewer this last week because uh, a couple carriers were asking you know, how long does it take you know for you to approve uh approved attention because some carriers were asking us to ask john and commenting you know why does it take days to get detention approved and what's i know it's not the case for a lot of shippers a lot of it comes back to the broker um yeah. 
you know, is that kind of your same, you know, thing that there's just a lot of bad, bad, you know, shippers or how long does it take you guys to approve detention? If somebody's talking to me and they're talking about detention, first thing, I don't, I don't deny detention when it's legitimate. And I also try to verify with the broker that, that any detention that we pay is hundred percent pass through. No offense brokers, but I don't think you get a piece of that. You didn't have to wait. He did. Or yeah, she did there or there's a, there's an opinion we can all agree with. Thing. Right. I mean, I, I have no problem with detention as long as you're going to tell me it's going to the driver. Fine. Don't take a cut of that, man. There's no need for that. You're making money. I mean, on what the are you guys paying detention? Like roughly? Uh, I don't usually. We're first come first serve. So, I mean, uh, if you get here when we're busy, that's not my fault. The... But I mean, again, I can load a truck in 20 minutes too. So who cares? Right. If you're fourth in line, you're going to get out of here in an hour. I don't think yeah. you have too many trucks that are probably sitting there for eight hours at your at your facility. I did have it's a truck like, that was here five last week, and I paid that. I think you brought up a good point, though, because you know I I remember this when I got into to brokers, and you see you see posts out on there, um, and it there's a lot of companies that train people to tell shippers that hey detentions you know three hundred and then give. 200 to the driver and keep a hundred it's you know, dishonest, but there's a, a lot of big companies out there. I believe that actually train people that way, which is surprising to me, but. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, unfortunately, I mean, shippers tend to get the free pass, but we're, we're as bad as any broker or carrier out there, but there's just as many bad guys in the carrier as there is on the brokerage as there is on the docks. Right. I mean, we've all been had by lumpers at one point or another, I'm sure. Somebody's been paying a lumper more. I mean, I just want to touch on the point of, um, you know, you say you paid detention fairly, this and that, but then you turn around and say you're first come, first serve. You know, you don't have to pay detention. Um, I mean, like you said, the special case, the guy was there five hours, you paid him. You know, that's fair. Um, <clears throat> I paid him three hours. Yeah, least, yeah. No, that's, that's completely yeah, I would assume that you would pay the special cases. Um, the best way to deal with detention, like you said, is to just not have detention. Um, right. But I mean, when it comes to first come first service, kind of brutal when, um, you know, I'm not saying you would do this, but a lot of shippers and brokers will try to abuse it where it's first come first serve. If you come when, when we're busy, you know, that's your problem. But what can we do about that as a carrier? You know, like if everyone's first right. come first serve, then do we just never get detention? Well, here's here here's the thing. I mean, we're open from six a.m. to two thirty. That's our shipping window, and we'll make accommodations for after that, which I'm paying overtime for for my guys. Right, so I'm paying extra because, because sometimes late, right? right because I'll oh, add, Hey, what's the ETA? And I'll have four or five loads picking up, and every one of them comes between 12 and 1. Guess when our lunch is? Yeah, right. It's 12 time. to 1. I mean, I'm not going to deny my guys lunch, but sometimes we'll work through lunch or we'll go to lunch early. We'll stagger our lunches or something. Hey, I mean, can I you know, ask you that before I forget? Because my friend and me have had this debate sitting in our office for, I think we worked together almost two years, and we had this debate where um, we both used to work in warehouses that had staggered lunch times. Like, how do shippers just the whole, like, the whole shipper shuts down for lunch? Like, how does that work? Like, well, our lunch is really 45 minutes, so um, we just don't. I mean, we I have yeah. my trucks are sitting here, too, and I mean. Just easier guys, to shut it down for, for 45 minutes. Eh? Listen, we only have four docks, 
And oh, okay. We're gonna knock it out. We're gonna get it done. I mean, I can go to lunch later. I don't care. You know, I'm I'm not an hourly guy, so whatever. I'll get lunch later. I'll skip lunch. I mean, God knows this deer is big. Rudolph's nose is large. <laughs> I can I can yeah, skip I mean, lunch too. A four dock shipper is a different story. I mean, we've seen 20, 30, 40 dock shippers that they all shut down for an hour. I mean, that starts to make yeah. Sense. We we're very dis distributed, so we we probably have thirty plants in this town, you know. So it's not all at one giant facility, you know, like a distribution center. I can see where they need staggered lunches and then rotate and all that. But a little plant like us, you know, one of our four guys will continue to work. Okay, so you guys have multiple like facilities. Let's say you're not just one massive DT. Oh no no, we have shoot I don't know seventy something. Yeah, I can't even like count them at that yeah, point. They're, they're a multi-billion dollar, uh, billion dollar company. You brought up something Whoa. else, and I, um, you know, I think is important to touch on too. Um, you know, all these trucks, their ETAs getting there at you know one o'clock, and I, I know you talk about this too, and we see it on LinkedIn a lot about communication. You know, from the broker end, you know, I maybe can touch a little bit on that, but I mean that's it can totally mess up your day if every single broker truck comes in and. That nobody comes in between nine and twelve, and they all show up at one o'clock, and then really? the broker tells you a different time. I mean, you want you want to talk about that, on maybe from a you know broker perspective and how that kind of or shipper perspective, but to the brokers of how that kind of impacts you and how to. You know, one of the things right. that one of the things that we do is um, when when we get a load to somebody and they're tendered, we send them a list of expectations. One of those is you tell me the ETA proactively. I don't want to have to send out a bunch of emails at seven o'clock in the morning when I sit down at my computer wondering when your truck's going to be here. Who, what's the carrier name? Who's the driver? Truck number? Get all that stuff so that we can avoid everybody getting the wrong load or double broker or whatever. So when I get that information, I want it to come from you, broker guy, and I want it to come into my inbox either the night before or the morning of. Like, I want to know when your guy's going to be here. And don't give me truck driver time. Oh, he's trekking 60 miles out, should be there in an hour. <laughs> crap, because it's going to be six hours before he gets here, because you don't know that he found his favorite store. And he wants to go and shop for Christmas for his nephew's brother. Yeah, see, I would argue that the problem with that is that I wouldn't put a lot of that on the broker. Um, the carriers are going to do Like, first thing I do when I come into work, like you said, 6.30, 7 in the morning, I send every current load I'm on to the broker. My actual ETA, not truck driver ETA. But I mean, a bunch of carriers are going to come in and sit down and give the wrong ETA to the broker. And then the broker is just broken telephone. I mean, sure. No, I get that. There's three people in the conversation there's the driver, yeah. the broker, or there's the driver. I mean, there's the four, yeah, like you, you have the yeah, carrier dispatcher. and the driver. That's two separate things most of the time. I mean, but it's, it's usually the, the conversation I get is tracking 24 miles out, should be there in 30 minutes. And they don't move for two hours. Is there and, yeah. Yeah. And then that, we'll see you. 10 a.m. Well, at noon, we're going to go to lunch, and then they get pissed because we all go to lunch when they get here. Well, if you made me wait for two hours, dude, you can handle 45 minutes while I eat. Do you think some brokers do the do the opposite? I know some brokers that that do this, and I don't know. I guess it's better than the opposite way around. Not sure it's the great, but say they think the ETA is going to be, you know, 9 a.m. You know, they'll say, you know, that the truck will be there at 10, so it's always earlier than earlier than expected. You know, they'll kind of <laughs> partly. It's just yeah. as bad in my mind. That's just as bad. I've got stuff going on out here. The docks live. I mean, we're we're loading trucks all day. So, just tell me when he's going to be here. Not when you want him to be here. Not when you think he might get here. But just tell me when he's going to be here. Hey, what do you think as a shipper? I didn't ask John this. Um, I mean, since you're on site every single time, 
do you have carriers call you directly and just say like like instead of dealing with the broker they just find you on google they call your facility they say hey my eta is 10 o'clock you're talking directly to the driver is that okay with you like what, what are your opinions do you, do you want me to share my screen because <laughs> i've got 3500 emails <laughs> yeah. i mean like when carriers call you direct does that bother you or is that better for you you're yeah. talking directly to the carrier so we in in our carrier pool we went this year from like i don't know just under 100 total so now we're, I don't know, a little over 50. We've reduced and our entire. And brokers or just. Yeah. Uh, just and LTL. I mean, everything just because uh, doing more with less is easier. First of all. Second of all, we try to focus on assets because there's less chain of communication. When you're talking to the dispatcher who's talking to the driver or who has tracking on the driver, a lot of times that's better than the broker. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some brokers that do way better job than direct carriers so i mean i'm, I'm not broker bashing <laughs> but it's always nice to get an eyeball straight to the horse's mouth you know what i mean you're, you're talking straight to the guy driving the truck or the guy who's driving the truck's boss yeah because i mean like this is the example that i would use that i do um i mean every like good dispatcher should be doing this like when we're getting close to your cutoff time, I'll call you, you know, 40 minutes hour before and say, hey, my truck's running a little late. Can you stay for us? This is his actual ETA. I'll call you every 20 minutes. He will be there at this time. Um, but then you have the, on the broker side where they say, you're not allowed to call my customer. You're not you're never allowed to talk to the shipper. And I mean, you guys getting phone calls every single day, you know, solicitations. We're just calling you to help you get your stuff faster. So. Yeah, right. <clears throat> no, I guess. I I don't have a huge issue one way or the other. Just, I mean, again, if you can nail the time down, just stick to it. Yeah. yeah. If something comes up, I don't need to call every 20 minutes. Just let me know. Give me an ETA again. I'll tell you whether or not we can meet it. I mean, the plant's dark. I'm the only one here. I'm going to be locked <laughs> up. But we're done. But if somebody was going to come in at 430, I would gladly take them because I knew ahead of time and I can hang out and I don't have to take my kid to baseball or whatever. Yeah. And that's where being honest comes in as dispatchers and as carriers. Um, I've had people come in for me on a Saturday or Sunday because I called them Friday and said, hey, you know what? Like my driver's kid has something. We got messed up on the pickup. They took 10 hours to load us. Can you please help us unload this truck? And yep. I feel like if you're honest with people and you, you know, you stick to your end, you say, I'll be there Saturday at two. If you're there Saturday at two, um, people are, you know, more inclined to help you out that way. I'll be watching Army Navy at two o'clock on Saturday, so I, I can't do Yeah, that. I'm getting excited. I never heard about this. I'm not American. I'm Canadian. But uh, I just, I've been seeing this everywhere, <laughs> the uniforms and stuff. I, I want to watch that too. Actually. Army Navy, I mean, those are the only guys out there that are going to like, they're not going pro. They're How does that work? Yeah, it's just like regular like people from the army. And guys the like you and me that get into the yeah. academy. <laughs> if you can get into the academy, you can play football. You're eligible. Well, you can try out anyway. <laughs> there's some there's some big fellas, and I mean they don't go recruiting like a like a LSU or Alabama or Notre Dame, Texas. You know they're not out recruiting the best kid from the best school from in the best place in the country. It's just it's guys that sign up for. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, like academy. a men's league type. Like, I just signed up to a men's league for the first time in my life to play basketball. I'm not very good at basketball, but yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> like, hey, man. I, Canada's got to be – you should be signing up for hockey. <laughs> you live in Canada. you got to play hockey. Yeah, I he lives in Serbia now. He lives um, in Serbia now. But. Yeah, I moved overseas for now. Now our biggest thing is uh, actually basketball and volleyball. So yeah, I'm trying to fit in with the locals, man. <laughs> 
Well, I I want to get into because I'm sure half of our half of our audience probably wants to uh, is sales guys, and I'm sure you're bringing up solicitation. So um, I'm sure you've heard some of these questions before, but I, I wanted to start with some of them that we were asked to ask John. So I, I, I okay. thought this one was was pretty funny. Um, but somebody messaged us, you know, why why do shippers not just answer no when we when we email them? Then they wouldn't get as many emails and phone calls if they just told us <laughs> no from the beginning. And nobody takes no for an answer. And second of all, you just found a live email if it works. Oh wow. Hey, yeah, if your reply is no, then you know you got through to the person. Oh yeah, no, that's I true. never thought and about that. They're, they're I'm not second, gonna let you know I read it. <laughs> their their second part of their communication was what do you prefer best? Email, phone, LinkedIn, um, cell phone, mail, what's your best form of communication? And they they said at the end, don't say no communication. <laughs> Singing telegram. <laughs> no, 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 for real. Like <laughs> this guy said for real. If I if I had to choose, it would be an email that I couldn't read and tell you what the next sentence is gonna say. Because I can tell you what the next sentence on every one of these stupid emails I get. I've got a folder of thirty five hundred blocked email addresses that are it they're all the same. Hi, I'm so and so. I'm the best one you're going to hear from today. I know you're busy. Blah blah blah. We have eight billion trucks, 473 people. We've got dispatching. We've got LTL. We've got drayage. Yay! I don't do drayage. I don't know anything about it. Don't care. Um, I'm going to do a cameo of Dolph Lundgren. I'm going to pay him like five hundred dollars to to tell you that you should give your freight to me and send you the cameo and just the link like just a link to a youtube and then like nothing else and say nothing else that's awesome what's one of the best uh best emails or outreaches you've gotten in the last uh month or two i know we talk a lot about a lot of the bad ones but what's like a really good one you've had in the last month or two that comes to mind that's oh a, god bro it's, <laughs> it's a tough market these days. <laughs> i can tell you 150 of the bad ones but i mean there aren't any good ones <laughs> Uh oh, did did my screen just go blank? No, no we can no, we can see it. Okay, Woo, mine did. All right, so I don't get a lot of good ones. I don't get. I rarely get a good one. It's really hard to get a good one. Um, I guess the best ones don't tell me what they can do because I know what a broker can do, right? If if I'm calling you and you're a broker, you better be able to do everything I can possibly imagine you to do from parcel to ocean vessel right that's what brokers do you give me access to what i can't i don't need you to tell me what you can do stop telling me that you're going to save me 20 percent because a you don't know what i'm paying and b if you can save me 20 percent, then you're telling me i suck at my job that's a direct insult to me when you tell me you can save me money i hate that i literally hate that that will get you blocked right now tell me you can save me money and i will I will block you right now. <laughs> and then the, the template email where you get it wrong. I got a guy right now that's still asking about Lions Club Industries, LCI. I'm like someday when I work at Lions Club Industries, I'm going to be like King Shipper because first of all, I'm not leaving here. But man, if I ever do get that job, I thought the Lions Club was where you donate the glasses at the 4-H fair for uh, like people that, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, in Canada, yeah, just get my company right. I mean, if do you, you ever have anybody, LCI, <laughs> do you ever have anybody show up? 
show up and pitch you like at your at your actual office has ever has that ever happened yeah and if i can i'll give them a tour i'll walk you around and do everything but i mean we're probably still not going to add you because we don't but that that that's going to make an impression way more if i get to know somebody and we're talking and they like they understand me they understand our core values and we all match up from there then a meet might be a, a next step you know because honestly the the way you sell a, a shipper I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is good news right here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spill the beans. No one has ever told me, hey, you're spending too much money on freight. <laughs> Even in 2022, 2021, 2020, they never said, man, you're spending too much money on freight. You believe that? I spent $9,000 one time for a load going from Indiana to Idaho in Conestoga. Are you telling me I'm spending too much money on freight? No one has ever said that to me. Well, but you know well, what? I mean, you know what sales tactic they come to me with? I can save you money. That's not that doesn't resonate because I don't care. I want best price for the market today, and I want best service in that market, and I want it done quickly on our timeline. Good, fast, and cheap. I'm going to get all three, and I tell people that all the time because every one of those is subjective. The good price that's a value. The good service. That comes, that's a part of that value. And then the speed, heck yeah. I'm not going to give you a great deal that you can do sometime next week. If I have a load that needs to pick up tomorrow and deliver Friday, I'll tell you that. And if you can do it and the price is fair, I got good, fast, and cheap. Good job, man. I mean, I think it comes down to that whole thing where um, they were interviewing people, random people on the street. Like, hey, do you know what a freight broker is? Do you know like what the price of a truck going from Los Angeles to Chicago costs. People out there say 25,000, 50,000, 80,000. Now I asked my own mom, I was like, hey, like how much do you think a truck from Los Angeles to Chicago right now, if you wanted it today, maximum is gonna cost you? My mom was like, I don't know, like $100,000. <laughs> it's like three or 4,000, maybe you could get four and a half. And people are shocked, you know? So I think nobody will ever say you're spending too much on freight. Um, I mean, even when it is expensive, you said nine grand to Idaho. I mean, we used to have loads in that market, you know, Chicago to Kentucky for five grand. Um, I mean, it's that was in, the grand, in the grand scheme of things. What other industry do you know that has a quarter of a million dollars of product and they can move it for $800? I mean, you can't move your own house. You can't move your own house furniture for $800 sometimes. Right. So here's I mean, the thing. People, I've experienced this at, um, small company and then two enterprise shippers now that I've been employed with. And this is no knock on anybody that's an executive because I don't know if they're watching or what, but <laughs> those guys in the front office, no offense to them, but this isn't their forte. That's what they hired me for. We've got people for that. They don't know freight. They may know sourcing. They may know procurement. They may know supply chain. They don't know freight rates and you know, that, that's elementary to them. That's insignificant. That's my job to figure that stuff out. You have you have meetings too, you know, with them, you know, you know, to answer on that. That's where yeah. I know you've talked about that in other other podcasts, but you know, I I think brokers, you know, sometimes forget that that you know, you have bosses too and people that you have to answer when things go wrong for costs, for things that shouldn't have been charged, you know. Maybe talk a little bit about that as I, I know you've mentioned that before. So, yeah, I mean, there's always accessorials or detention or whatever, and that stuff comes in late. And if it doesn't get hidden in the price of the load and the invoice, it'll come on later. And then, you know, I may be asked to explain that. 
which you know usually it's it's very justifiable and i keep a record of all of that stuff but it's not necessarily the price as it is the volume you know we i like to aggregate so i'll take the whole month of freight the whole freight spend and then the number of loads that went out via common carrier divide it out and figure out what we paid on average per load and then i watch a trend line i graph it and when we're going up or down or whatever and then i can make some predictions so i've already uh i've already had meetings for 2024 with our sales team and with our operations team about what we need to look at for 2024 because of what i see in the cycle how is it to dealing because i know different industries are are different but i how is it dealing with the salespeople at at Lippert? I mean, are they, um, our they're probably concerned awesome. about the, the freight too, right? They're asking for, because it's their customer. I don't know how they they get paid, but I'm sure if, if a load is late to their customer, they're not going to be, they're not going to be happy as well. Um, well. They're hearing about it and then I'm hearing about it. So again, our sales team is awesome. They came in here, I don't know, a month or so ago. It was still warm out and uh, cooked us breakfast one day. Like our sales team, a VP of sales, director of sales, and then about four or five salesmen. They came in here, and we have a couple of Blackstones, and they they, they you know they they're, they're out there flipping pancakes, and you know we had hash browns and pancakes and bacon. Stuff. They love us because we help them. You know they make the promise, we fulfill it. They cook breakfast for the whole plant. Our sales team is like, so we're in a we're in a down market for our market. Our market segment is in the toilet. Like we're. We're probably at the bottom for our market segment, but you know what? They went out there and they're knocking on doors and they found a new aftermarket customer and gained us 50, 60, 70 more locations to ship to. So they're out there pounding the pavement for us. I love them. Our sales team, it's not always been the case every place I've worked. You know, it's usually been shipping and sales and we, <laughs> we butt heads all the time, but I actually love our sales team. And I loved them when I, when I was at Patrick, our sales team, uh, there was a couple of them that were, pain in the butt you know but we we like to rib each other all the time but we had a good relationship because we're working to the same goal right we want that customer to be happy they're going to make the promise i'm going to fulfill it yeah i mean i think in my business man i used to do drain work when i was a drain layer and um i think my salesman and me like we always hated each other because the promise that they would make to the customer was the most like this guy literally told would tell a customer Hey, this guy's gonna come to your house, change all of this pipes in your base. He's not gonna make a mess. He's not gonna make any noise. He's not gonna break anything. <laughs> and the first thing I do when I step in that house is start breaking the cement on their floor. And I've had maybe 80% of the customers come in the basement and tell me, Oh my gosh, sir, what are you doing? He said you wouldn't have to break anything. And I'm thinking in my head, like the, the first thing I have to do is start breaking stuff. The very first thing. So I mean, I think when you have salesmen that are honest and you know they give a promise. You know that's uh, realistic and uh, you know fulfillable. Then part of the, part of the cool part of our sales team is they'll come ask questions. Yeah, see, that's what good. do you think yeah. it'll take to get from here to there? What's the cost for this for to this place? Yeah, I've got this customer that I've got a potential with over here. How much would it cost to send us a truckload once a month? Well, I can give them good answers for that, and then they can price it accordingly. When you go to get prices for that, do you? So I had some customers that did that too. Do you do you send it out to you know? A couple of your trusted assets and uh, brokers to quote. Just usually, kind of go about that. Usually, hey, what would it take for this? You know, I'll send an email. <laughs> That's where I copy and paste the email. By the way, 
<laughs> Change the name on the tube. Uh, yeah, I'll send an email out to four or five places that I trust that I, you know, trusted contacts, whether they're on board with us or not. I'll say, hey, what's this? You know, and I, the cool thing is if they're not on board with us, they're going to give me honest feedback because what do they lose, right? If it's a friend, you know, like I would call you and you could tell me what a rate would be from point A to point B going right for a drive van. And I would trust that opinion because I trust what you're telling me. you got no skin in the game, right? You have no reason to tell me anything that's not accurate. Yeah. So I get yeah. four or five of those and average them and then, then I give them the average. Yeah. People ask me all the time, you know, can you quote this? Like, like I'll help people that I actually know. Like I get a bunch of, you know, inboxes say, Hey, help me quote this lane. And like, I'm not out here just to like work for free. But like one of my old buddies, like, you know, uh, called me up and he goes, Hey, I'm pricing like a Hazda power only from Texas. Can you help me out with it? I'm like, of course, of course. I'm like, I have nothing to gain, nothing to lose. Why, why not help out a friend here and there? You know? I don't, I don't have to do that very often. Maybe, maybe once a month, maybe maybe every six, eight weeks, something like that. But I try not to knock on the same doors every time too, because I don't want them working for free either. <laughs> get an idea of a quote. I, I wanted this because we're talking about sales. I was curious if you've ever had this happen because we talk a lot about how good your your sales team is and you know, things of that nature. Do you ever have a situation where a carrier or broker, you know, they, they sell you this whole dream and you give them an opportunity and then, you know, day or day one or, a week three, it's totally different than everything that they oh, yeah. you know, promised oh, yeah. promise you of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me count the ways. Yeah, I, that happens all the time. You know, there's a lot yeah. of over-promising in logistics. All the but, time. Uh, but I'll tell you, the, the ones that are legit and real, you can almost you can almost spot them without even saying anything after, after this long. I mean, you can look at somebody and know if they're full of crap, right? You can tell a used car salesman from a guy who has opportunities for you to get into a new used car. Right. <laughs> I mean, I get your point. Maybe that wasn't the most prime example, but well, it isn't. I, I don't know. That's why the, I get, I've got a reputation. I think used cars are like probably the most shady, untrusting market in the world. Like. <laughs> you look a little shady to me, sir. I think anybody selling a car to anybody is always going to be in doubt of their shadiness. So even if it gets brand new. Like. The, the the outreaches that I get that are phone calls and, and emails, I, I liken it to driving down a busy retail strip of used car or new car dealerships. And imagine if a salesman ran out and flagged you down and said, Hey, 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 man, I got this, I got this brand new Bronco, I got this dump truck, I got I got I got this Mazda. I got everything that you could ever want in a vehicle. Come on in. Let me show you what you got. Cause I know you're going to be looking for a vehicle. And that's, that, that's the best analogy that I can come up with for I'm sitting here doing my work and I get this email from a brokerage offering LTL to ocean and air and everything. And I'm like, I, I, I'll call you when I have something, but. I got this Mazda. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get this? Because we, we had we had John Brewer on here last week, and he John said one awesome. of the most yeah, he's a great guy. One of the most annoying things he said he gets that he sees all the time is brokers will ask him what his problems are, you know. And he's like, <laughs> what what he said, he said there must be like you know, must be some people are training them to say that, but he said, you know, you gotta do your research and know what my problems are, not sit there and ask me, you know, what your most difficult lane is or what your problems are. Do you have any you know thoughts on that? I thought that was oh, yeah. I love it when they ask me that because I'll tell them. Well, I mean, 
as far as freight, I got that pretty well covered because I'm good at my job. But I, I got a real problem on dealing with uh, employees when there's a, you know, discipline issue. I, I don't like that. Can you help me there? No, I'm here to help you with freight. Well, I don't have any problems with freight, but I struggle with conflict. You know, I don't like to be the bad guy. I want my team to like me, but, you know, there's always some corrective action stuff you have to end up talking about where people's behavior needs to be coached into a different direction. Yeah, I think or- management, that was when I got into management, my biggest problem wasn't loads and trucks and freight. It was like the people, like people management. That's hey, like- I tell people this all the time. Brandon Bray. Brandon Bay has made this phrase famous, and I'm pretty sure I'm the one that told him this, but the work is easy. The people are hard. Yeah. Hey, who can't find a truck, truth, right? right? I can find a truck, but, man, I can't find a truck with a guy that wants to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can find you 10 dispatchers that can book a certain RPM and gross every week, but am I going to like sitting in a room with all 10 of them? Probably exactly. not. Exactly. The work is easy, and the people are hard. And that's why I love my company, because we build people. We build leaders. We help them become better. And they're helping me. I've got a guy that I meet with, geez, at least once a week. There's two different guys, actually. I meet with a director and a, and a, and a normal uh, leadership development coach. And we actually have an entire segment of our management team that is leadership and cultural development. That's their job title. And I meet with them and we talk about life and home and work and team building and character and uh, what am I doing to take my next step? And we have these things called an LAP. It's called a leadership action plan. And you know how when you write a goal down, it's it's uh, like 80% more likely to happen. It's two-sided, right? 80% more likely to happen if you write your goals down. Well, that's what this is. This leadership action plan is on the on the first side was how, how will I first grow myself? There's one, two, and three things that have to be a smart, you know, a specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound commitment to myself. Like, my, my, I'll just read my leadership action plan to you. My number one on myself is I'm going to follow my Lean Leader 101 principles in my five-minute meeting, use the KPIs in my personal life, and I'm going to be intentional. I want to write down my plan and goals by end of February. I made this in January. I did that. My second one is return to the gym by February, three days a week. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but this Rudolph's nose is big. I'm still working on that one. I have a few more weeks here before the end of the year, and I'm going to get back in the gym. My son just turned 13, and he wanted to go tonight, so I'll fill you in. My third one is read this book by the end of the year. And I honestly just found the book again last week, so I'm going to get on that over Christmas break. Then on the other side is how do I commit to developing myself, my team, and the business? So I'm going to use my leader standard worksheet to keep my day going. And then I'm going to, that, that I leave that on my desk so that my team can see what it is that I do. So that they, when they want to know what, when I disappear and I'm gone for a while, they don't think, well, I'm just up, must be, you know, shooting a breeze up in the break room. I'm at a meeting that is on my schedule that's laying on my desk so they can see I'm not just out goofing off or, you know, found somebody to talk to during a smoke break that I don't smoke. Then for my team, I'm going to post our KPIs and implement instruction from the Lean Leader 101 class that they developed to get into me. And for the business, I'm going to focus on the controllables, leverage spend to save money on labor and freight, engage the team for enrichment and developmental potential. So I know one of my team members actually, uh, I had to promote her out of our team because she's really good at uh, organization and structure. And she ended up becoming our lean coordinator. That was that post I put out where she said, thank you. She texted me because she, she was hired three years ago, a couple weeks before I was here at Lippert. And uh, she was my admin my administrative assistant, my like secretary in, in, in essence. 
and now she's a, a, a peer. You know, I'm a manager and she's a lean leader. She's now doing our coaching for our whole plant on lean techniques, quality. She's doing 5S. We're doing just fix-its. She's, she's recording and submitting videos for our team on these little things that we can do to make our lives better in work. There's something that's more ergonomic, something that takes time off of a cycle time of a production piece. And it's just awesome. She's flourishing and learning. And I had a piece of that. You know, I, I get to say, yay, me. You know, I got to see somebody grow and develop. And I love it when people come to me and they want to learn more. The people that always go farthest are the ones that want to learn more. And if I can have a little piece of that, and like, that's why I posted it. I asked her, I was like, Jess, can I please post this? Because this is awesome. So I posted it because the thing I'm most proud of is making somebody else better. I fail all the time, but man, if I can help somebody else grow, then shoot, you know, that's a big win. I mean, yeah. with that kind of uh, culture, would you say that, you know, um, I mean, the people that affect the truck the most, I guess you would say the dock workers. I mean, would you feel like the, the way that this culture is represented uh, and, and kind of undertaken that people kind of want to do their jobs better? Um, oh, absolutely. They're proud to come to work in a sense. Yeah, we, we are. I mean, I, we have banners that hang on the they, they're hanging from the ceiling of people with their pictures on it that like made a difference to quality last month. There's an award and they get their picture hung on the, uh, on the, in the, in the ceiling out here in the rafters. And yeah, because I mean, I think my biggest issue with shippers, um, and I see <laughs> the drivers on an almost daily, weekly basis. Um, I go into a lot of the same facilities. I've been doing this for years. I know all the same plants. One day I go there, I'm out in 30 minutes. One day I'm out in seven hours and it always just comes down to who's working, what day, at what place. And, you know, it's the people. The people are the variable. And I feel yep. like in these large companies that have, you know, that robotic, like, just let's call it what it is, garbage work culture. Um, you have dock workers coming in that don't care. And nobody cares about anything. And, I mean, I think it starts, like you said, with the people. And if these companies will learn culture and, you know, go do some team buildings and invest in their own people, um, you know, it's... Everybody says it's a money issue. I mean, yeah, you could pay people, you know, $50 an hour, but if the culture is garbage, it's still toxic. You're still going to be depressed going to work. And people will leave a $50 an hour job to go to a $30 yeah. an hour job with a better yeah. No, I've done that. I've left higher paying jobs for lower paying jobs just because it I have less a, jobs, you know? It's a money thing too, because one of the things that you'll find if you get a company that has this real, real culture that's different, it's when you make your workers and your people happy and fulfilled and they're growing and developing, you know what? They come to work tomorrow and then they come to work the day after that. And then they come, yeah, to and then they come back on Monday. You know, people that do the same job for a long time are good at it. We can get better at our jobs because we want to come back. We get, yeah. you know what? We go home and we're not angry and, you know, maybe, maybe I don't yeah, go out and drink. Thing. That's actually and be a father. Yeah, your work wow. culture does affect your home life. That's for absolutely. Sure. So when our when our when our team members go home and they're happy, maybe their families are happy because dad's happy or mom's happy that came home from work after a day where we had we had fun. I mean, I knew it was different when I walked in and toured the plant. I asked for a tour and I walked around and I saw people on an assembly line smiling. Like, who does that? <laughs> Right, you know, what I mean? like I'm riveting my thing, and then I move it down. Then I grab this and I rivet my thing, and then they're like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "What's the matter with that guy? He's got a gas leak in here." I, I I'm kind of glad we talked about people and you know culture. 
Um, now that I'm kind of on the recruiting side, I know you hire people, uh, you know, Tony, and it's interesting learning, you know, different roles, how people, what skills they look for you know, in interviews, but maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you, when you're interviewing people, you know, how do you figure out if they're good for the culture? What do you look for? Talk a little bit about bringing people, bringing people on. Cause like hiring qualities, you know? Yeah. I, so Man, that's tough. I I struggle with this. I've interviewed thousands of people, and um, if I had it down, I would I would write a book because there's a ton of people like me that know we could do better. And it's not that I could do better in in the people, but in maybe in finding that in an interview. I don't know about you, but when I go to an interview, I'm nervous. I'm not necessarily <laughs> going to say the first thing that comes to my mind. I want to stop and think about it and make sure that what I'm saying is what they want to hear. So. I'm not sure you get the right, the the full, God, I don't want to sound like it's deceptive. I don't, I don't know if you're going to get the full honest answer in an interview, but I like to make an interview a conversation. I want to find out about you. What makes you tick? What do you do at home? How many kids you got? What do you, you know, what do you do with your kids? that makes you happy. What do you do with your spare time? I'm not looking for how good you can drive a forklift. I'm looking for what kind of person you are. I want to know that, you value your family and your family time, right? That tells me that you care about somebody other than yourself. I want to know that you have a hobby because there's a purpose and a direction in your life that's more than just work, drink beer, fall asleep, go back to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's so many zombies out there that uh, I don't. But I, mean, I think you're right about the the whole interview thing. It's like because I started doing job interviews too for dispatchers, and I feel like now that I've been on both sides of it for once, I feel like it's two people trying to say what the other person wants to hear and i think yeah. both parties are not being kind of like not i want to say deceptive but it is it's the guy that's sitting across or the girl sitting across is going to tell you what you want to hear and you the employer is going to tell them what you think they want to hear <laughs> six days into work you're both going to be unhappy with the situation so i quit doing that and i tell them what the job entails and i try and find out about them and who they are because i want to find out what kind of person they are and if they're a culture fit maybe this isn't the right place for you. If this isn't the right place for you, then I don't, you know, you're not going to be happy here and I don't want you here. And I hate having to let people go. I mean, that's like, that's a terrible day. Yeah. So let's find out on the front end. I mean, I'll be totally honest with you. I like to show you. I, I had a guy trying, uh, he's like, let me see if I can move that rack around. I'm like, well, don't get hurt. But he grabbed a pallet jack. He starts moving the rack around. He's like, oh yeah, I can do this. No problem. I'm like, you know, 30 years CDL experience. I'm like, all right, well, We'll call you back next week when we're done with all the other interviews. And <laughs> the cool thing is when you have a great place with a good culture is there's usually a line to get in instead of a line to get out. That's well, that's well said, simple, but very profound. You don't have probably, you probably don't have too many problems finding people who are wanting, uh, wanting to work there. It's not as hard as you'd think it is, but uh, it can still be a challenge in some of the skilled positions like an OTR driver. Cause I mean, a good OTR driver is not out looking for a job. They have one. You got to steal them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, man, especially in this market, you see, I mean, everybody, you know, all the carriers are seeing drivers come in for some drivers are coming in literally for one load and they're quitting mid load. And some drivers are coming in and they're doing two loads or three. And I'm, I, this is the highest turnover I've seen like in, since I've been doing this, we have drivers all over all the companies that I, I talk to. Like we have 
let's say a hundred drivers a week between four or five different carriers every single week coming in and out, in and out, in and out, or they're getting fired on the spot or they're lying about this, or they're going out to do one thing and they don't want to even get out of the truck to go look at the freight. Is it empty? Is it not empty? And I mean, the, the driver turnover at this moment, like you said, if you're a good OTR driver in this market, you're already working somewhere. Like, well, our guys will come in and jump on the forklift and load themselves or they'll see something wrong and they'll <laughs> figure it out. And I mean, it's crazy because like if you can drive a semi, you can handle a forklift. Right. So yeah. I like to get all of our guys are certified on their forklift and, you know, we make them go through the training and have them all out on that. And they'll do an inspection. They'll grab a forklift on a Sunday when they're in here to leave to go out to Pennsylvania. And if they don't like it the way it's loaded, they'll just rearrange it themselves. You know, they'll throw it in the dock and hit the dock lock, slap the leveler in there and move it around and put it the way they like it. I mean, we usually load it how they like it, but if they don't, they're not afraid to move it and fix it. So, I mean, when you, when you get a good relationship with people and your leadership and your subordinates or whatever you want to call them, teammates have that good working relationship, they're not going to get mad because they have to move something around. They're going to say, I'm empowered to get it the way I want it. And no one can stop me. That's awesome. I love yeah, it. I, mean, I think you're one of the only shippers in this in this kind of era lately where you're allowed on the dock. You can even go load your own freight if you want. You can use the bathroom, you know, like come in well, here. Not our not outside guys, but like our guys can yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say yeah, every single carrier that comes in here, but I mean, we hear the stories all the time. Shippers won't let guys on the dock anymore even. They watch the freight. It's, it's liability more than anything. I mean, if, what if you come in here and you get hurt? I mean, nobody comes in here with steel-toed shoes long pants and safety glasses that's a different story i mean yeah they like just if don't. you're coming to work you need to come to work steel toes right. long pants long sleeves yeah, they come in all the time they're wearing a coat a pair of adidas shorts and crocs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i come from the trade it's a background like we used to you know my 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 girlfriend used to ask me like why do you wear steel toe boots you know when you're not working I used to just tell her because I spend so much money on these warm steel toe boots for work that I don't want to have to go buy another pair of boots. So, I mean, if you're in this industry, you got to be prepared. Hey. And how many times I call a driver? You have a hard hat and safety boots in your truck? No, I don't. Like, yeah, how do you not have that? Like, a high vis vest. I mean, hard hat, safety glasses. Hard hat, hard hat. No driver has a hard hat. You ask a driver, you have a hard hat, they probably don't. I can't let you in the plant. We have to have this little zone of uh, walkway where they're allowed to be. When they don't have the right PPE on, because OSHA requires the plant to have uh, levels of PPE, so I can't have a guy in here wandering around on the dock. They always want to go in the trailer and look at everything. I can't, man. The sandals and gold chains, nice, Brandon. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, if you're going to come in here to the plant, if you're wearing long pants, steel-toed shoes, and safety glasses, I will welcome you out there. I'll help you strap your load. I'll do anything you want, man. Because there's so few and far between. That's a big thing that, you know, because I know that there's this culture where shippers don't let drivers use bathrooms. Shippers don't this. Shippers don't that. Do you think that, you know, the counter to that is, hey, the drivers should show up ready to go on the dock and the driver should show up ready to do his part of the job as well? I, I don't like to deny somebody the restroom, but don't no, come in here in shorts and flip-flops to a factory and expect to walk across the factory to the restroom. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, dress like a guy works in a factory. I know, like, the it's huge, it's just a huge, dangerous place, and right. you need to walk through that to get to the toilet. <laughs> so, here's you know, that argument about the bathrooms that that really chaps me because I've been on both sides of that as a driver. I've been in a ton of places where they won't let you use the bathroom, and I've been in a ton of places as a shipper where 
I can't let that guy go in here because he's wearing shorts, a tank top, and flip-flops. And you can't walk out there on the factory floor like that, and the bathroom's 70 yards that way. I mean, we don't build the bathrooms next to the docks. It's, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just not the way buildings are built. But I, that whole that whole bathroom argument, is it, it's a tough thing because you, you can't deny someone the human right. But at the same time, if you ever had to pay a company to come in and pressure wash a bathroom because someone got ticked off because they thought they were waiting too long or we didn't load it right and they did all kinds of crazy stuff in your bathroom, I'm telling you, man, it's thousands of dollars. There's that uh, Wild Hogs, that movie. Um, with him <laughs> and the one guy works cleaning bathrooms and the opening scene is that. Like, he's the guy you call to pressure wash the bathroom. It's disgusting. I've had I've had people do that to the restrooms at the facilities that I worked in. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a, a rough debate. Um, I mean, as talk far as man. barriers go, when we talk to shippers, um, I mean... We call you guys just to tell you, hey, you know, you have, can we can we bring you your freight early? Can we bring you your freight a little bit later for running late? And that's like as far as it goes for us, um, except for the guys, you know, if we want to get our own freight. But I think there's a misconception that if a carrier calls the shipper that we're calling to steal the freight from the broker. Um, that's just not true. No, we like to work together and protect that relationship. I don't want to backhand a broker because I'm going to need them tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Uh, I kind of I kind of want to touch on some broker broker carrier because you guys were talking about broker shippers with the bathrooms and and calling. You know, there's been a lot of you know, with the way the kind of market is, it's obviously low. Um, you know, there's been a lot of you know carrier versus shipper, broker versus this. Um, and, we're all you know, on the same team, man. Yeah, and you know, it's what, what advice kind of would you? I, I guess I kind of wanted to you know, bring this up too. Cause I, I saw recently, I don't know if you saw the article that uh, a carrier went to um, TQL with the FMSCA and they got a oh, recon yeah. released with 47%. And then, you know, we, we had a guest on that had pretty high margins and you're seeing, you know, some groups, trucking groups on Facebook and Twitter, you know, thinking that brokers are, you know, making, you know, every broker is making a high margin, which, I know not to be the case, but you want to maybe touch on that from a shipper perspective. Obviously, you don't know what your providers are making margins, but you have a pretty good idea they're not all making you know fifty percent, right? Right. I, you may get that one golden load where some you know every piece just fell just right or whatever. But you know, at the same time, if I'm a and I hate to say what I would do, but I think if I was a <laughs> if I think if I was a broker, I would want to tell them I don't. Man, I, I'd like to say that if I was in brokerage and I got a 50% margin, that I would probably up the pay to the carrier after the fact, once it was done. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. And maybe I'd just take the money and be like, I can get a boat. <laughs> but I do want to think that uh, we're all partners in it. I know that the, the typical margin is probably around 10 12%. And it's probably on average, that guy that made a 50% margin on that probably lost money on the next one because they had to make something happen that shouldn't have. Truck fell off. They all they found another one to recover it, but the customer matters to them. So they're going to go ahead and lose $200 on this one where they made 600 on the last one. Nets four and you're there. You're right. You made two and two on the, both loads. But I don't know. I don't think it's a it's a us versus them. I think that that blindness from the carrier to the broker and then that natural distrust of somebody handling mo the money and taking 
you said yes, man. So <laughs> you said yes, right? So you're not, uh, it's like people who complain about the pay at their job. When you interviewed, you asked for this, you interviewed for this, it was offered and you agreed to this. And now you're not happy with that. I don't understand that. And I think a I lot think, of carriers do that too with the rate cons. The biggest fight that needs to kind of be talked about, I mean, is, is obviously it is being talked about. Um, carriers love to get on brokers and shippers' backs about the, the current events. But um, I mean, it's the carriers are doing it to, to us. They're doing it to, to themselves. And for every carrier that takes that dollar a mile, like 80 cents a mile, like they're the ones that are just keep it going. Because, I mean, if we all stopped and we all said, hey, if you don't pay $2 a mile every mile in America, then no trucks move, then, okay, guess what? They're going to pay $2 a mile every mile in America. But we're not, you know, standing behind each other as carriers to, to stop what's happening. And right. I think carriers need to blame themselves. Like, not directly, but, like, the, the bad ones, the ones saying yes. I mean, there, there there's always somebody that needs to get home for something that will take a loss on a run because it's better than a complete empty trailer, right? There's always somebody out there that will do that. That's why you never reduce yourself as a broker to a price. Because if you're no better than a price, then somebody with a better price comes along and you're gone. There's always going to be somebody with a better price. Just like when you're out in the real world, there's always going to be a more talented athlete, right? I tell my kids this all the time. There's always going to be somebody that's bigger, better, faster, stronger, better looking, whatever. You just have to be the best at what you can do. When you realize it's a partnership between all three, man, just talk. Hey, I'm going to make about a 10, 15% margin on this. Are you cool with that? Yeah, cool. I, you know, I'm going to make enough to cover my run and I'm going to get to where I want to be to make more. All right, great. Let's work together. I don't know. I, I always thought, man, if I was going to be a broker, I think I would just set a flat rate of like 12, 15 or whatever and just tell them, here's what I'm going to make. Every load. Boom. You can take it or leave it. I think that really is the average too. I mean, at big companies and people I talk to, everyone's in that 12 to 15 range. Um, you know, there's very, very few people. I mean, very few people I know that are consistently making anything, you know, above 25, you know, I, I would call it transparent Tony's brokerage and it would be, you know, 13.5% on every load and that you can know what I make and then you can know what you make and we're all going to be fair. And I would just do that, and I just—I—I'd I, like to see how that works. I bet the carrier sales guys would love that. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to hot loads, like you said. If you have, you know, a load that really, like, a, a customer called in, they said, "Hey, we're gonna pay for this Bronco part, you know, five grand over sticker because we need it here in two days." Well, guess what? Now that load is gonna go in that truck for an extra five grand, you know, yep. two grand, whatever it is. It comes down to the fact that there's hot loads and there's cold loads. And, you know, the, the same broker that gives me a load for $4 a mile, 1,000 miles, will turn around and give me a load when he needs help 300 miles for like 500 bucks. I'll help him out with it. And, yeah, I mean, people need to understand that, you know, like you said, all the pieces need to fall right and they don't for every load. And, you know, there's a lot of loads you, you get rich on and there's a lot of loads you, you lose your ass on. And that's how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. But in the end of the day, you look at the month and you average it, right? Yeah. You have, that's the thing truck drivers, I think, don't understand so well as averages. Like, you know, a five-day average, a seven-day average, even a two-day two average, this load and that load. People kind of look at day by day and what's in front of them and what's going in their pocket today for the work they're doing today. And I tell all my new drivers, like, you know, like if, if they're fighting with me, let's say Monday or Tuesday about a load, I'll tell them, hey, let me run your truck. If you have an issue with me on Friday, let's talk about it. And that's it. You know? I, 
I would put this word of advice out there to the carriers too, because I've I've been that guy in the truck and I've been doing the paperwork and cost per mile and knowing all your costs and everything. Guys, you got to be a businessman. You got to be a better businessman in the truck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think truck drivers, um, I like you said, the, they focus a lot on their job, and I think a lot of them are not. I wouldn't say book smart, but business smart, because it's not a it's not a complicated business. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world to understand, you know, like simple numbers, basic math, averages, month averages, yeah. year to date. These are like the most, you know, basic shippers, business. Terms. Shippers got to do better and drivers. We got to do better as drivers. We got to do better as shippers. Brokerage. I mean, we'll find some folks that we like to work with and you can do your thing. I don't, I don't have anything to say about brokers because they're needed. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, I mean, brokers have, you know, it's not just shippers, drivers too. I mean, obviously as a shipper perspective, you could just find, find the good ones. But I think some of the reasons that carriers have their opinions is. They've been burned. I, they've been burned and a lot of brokerages i think you know, there's been what did i read there was like ten thousand, maybe not ten thousand, insane amount of brokerages that started during covid everyone was opening up a brokerage um you know so a lot of there's a lot of and you know some of the stuff that's being trained you know especially in a down market i mean i have carrier sales reps message me occasionally like matt what do we do you know our management doesn't really care about the carrier they're wanting us to do xyz and do this and you know their jobs are being pressured, you know? And so, I mean, brokers definitely have a, a part in it, I would say. Oh yeah. And guys, if you're running a brokerage, stop telling your people how many calls they have to make, make, make quality calls over quantity. Yeah. No, what no, you're we, went over this. we went over this. Like they yeah. started introducing the call metrics for carriers, man. And I was at the bottom of the list every month. I told him, bro, like I'm calling what I need to call. Like, leave me alone. Look at that. results, man. The people who are going to yeah. have results okay. aren't making the most calls. I promise. Yeah. It's not something yeah. you can scale. If you make a hundred calls and get ten uh, hot leads or whatever, if you make two hundred calls, that doesn't mean you're going to get twenty. That's not <laughs> a scalable metric, guys. Yeah. In brokerage leadership, just because you make more calls doesn't mean you're going to get more work. Make one call that matters. Make one call that you know what they're doing. Make one call where you can talk to somebody and build a relationship with them. Way more than a hundred calls, just asking for the shipping guy it's funny you mentioned that i remember that post you made a couple saturdays ago about the guy who called you like four times on a saturday saturday morning and someone commented they were like i guarantee that i worked at this brokerage it was because they have kpis and that's, yeah, that's true a lot that. of brokerages have like i i see it on the recruiting side you know when i talk to different brokerages too and there's you know i try to when it's appropriate chime in that maybe that's not a not a great idea you know but it's not. it's not. Nobody wins. Nobody wins business by calling me over and over again. Trust me. All you're doing is annoying me. I got to call you. I'm gonna start a. Um, I'm gonna start reaching out to shippers on my own. Um, I'm gonna go on that website cameo where you just get a celebrity to say what you want them to say. I'm just gonna start paying a bunch. I'm gonna put like five grand down on cameo and just pick a bunch of washed up celebrities to send shippers links to YouTube videos with their shipper name. <laughs> I could bang out for five grand. I could bang out tens of thousands of cameos, man. From man like old I, do I get to pick the celebrity? 
Yeah, yeah, you can pay any celebrity that has the account to say anything you want them to say. If you solicit me with like Kathy Ireland, I'm gonna probably buy whatever you got, man. I'm telling you, you gave me this idea just now in this show, and everyone should start doing this because it's hilarious. <laughs> Tony, what do you think of this? There's a, a friend of mine on LinkedIn. I mean, I won't say his name. You probably you might know him, but um, I thought this was pretty clever, and apparently it's been working. He's been sending handwritten mail letters to shippers and they open it up with a QR code that goes to a site and a, a video. And he says he's having really good success with it. And I was like, that's pretty, uh, pretty if clever. Need, I mean, you have to open your mail, you know, I got, okay. I've been at Lippert like September was three years. I got my first piece of mail last week. You know what it was? A freaking Landstar agent. I threw it straight in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't a Landstar agent, would you have uh, thrown it in the garbage? I opened it. I mean, no, I would have probably still thrown it in the garbage. But So I'm pretty I'm young. Uh, I'm not really aware of who Kathy Ireland is, but is she oh. like this lady? I'm old, all right? She's probably 60 now. But yeah, okay, so she's exactly I don't know who the, who the uh, models are these days. I don't yeah, know. So she's exactly 60. I tried to find her on Cameo because I would have oh, paid whatever it costs to send you something, but she's not there. <laughs> Don't do it, man. I'm just kidding. No, no, but she's not on it. So. I couldn't think of a modern person who's like a, a, a icon or whatever. I mean, you know, that's the best part about cameos. They don't have to be modern. It's just anybody that chooses to do it. And it's usually washed up celebrities that need money. So, I mean. Well, does anybody want to cameo me? I'll, I'll do yeah, it. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to send it. It's going to be hilarious. Thanks. Hey, I want to. One thing I realized we haven't talked about the whole entire time um, is is tech technology. Obviously, technologies. Okay. That that's what I was about to ask you because in in my experience, and I, I didn't deal with enterprise shippers. It was a hundred to five hundred million, but most most shippers did not really care about what technology we had. They cared that we could get the job done. But then yep. I, I talked to enterprise sellers, and they're like. They tell me sometimes, no, these enterprise shippers, you have to have the best tech or blah, 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 blah. But I think it depends on the freight, right? Do I need to know where it's at? No. Do I care where it's at? To some extent, it's in your hands, right? You care where it's at. I don't. I gave it to you. You already signed for it, right? Now your insurance, I need to know your insurance company's information more than I need your tech. So if a company, if a salesperson's selling you their tech or how their tech can help you, that's not an appealing sales pitch for your no job. if if i need to know where my load is i'm reaching out to you i'm not gonna go follow a link i'm just not gonna do it man because yeah. you know how many imagine, other loads yeah, imagine how many shipments you have yeah how are you gonna right up i'm not that? going to 47 different links to figure out where everything is i'm gonna find out from your email that it's on pace because you're proactive in your communication to me like i asked in my onboarding letter yeah i mean i feel like tech like um I mean, from a dispatch point of view, I love having, you know, my Samsung. I love having my live GPS because... Same. I got I've a fleet. Been, I'm running the same fleet you guys are. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been burned so many times by a driver telling me, hey, yeah, man, I'm rolling down the road right now. I see he's parked at the gas station. He's still parked. <laughs> 10 minutes later, he's still parked. They got uh, good fridge in there. I know that gas station. Yeah. My favorite thing to do with them is I don't tell them that I can see, like, because I don't know, I guess people don't understand when they take lease to own or this, like, it's not their equipment. There is GPS. Now. I don't know if they understand that. So I'll play games with them and be like, oh, cool. Like, uh, you know, how fast are you going? Where, what do you see? And he's just parked there. I can hear him lying to me. I mean, tech, I feel like shippers don't care so much about that. It's up to the carrier and the broker 
I look at that with my trucks. Like we have our fleet, you know, so I look at my guys and where they're at and what they're looking at. And I look at the camera. Oh, man, it's raining over there. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the cameras are cool. I like that, too. I don't we, we don't see in the truck at all. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, just outside. Look like, but I don't, you know, drive down the road. You want to sing, pick your nose, do whatever, man. I'm not looking at that. No, the I best thing know that you can see the guys parked in a dock somewhere. You just see he's looking right. at nothing. You know, you know, right. you know if I see sky and I know that, you know, five minutes ago it was road, you know, and I'm there at the dock and I'm seeing sky. I know he's in the dock pointed up. Right. Yeah, I think tech is honestly like for, for carriers and brokers and like, you know, people with the actual assets. It's so cool, man. Like what if I was running high value shipments, I may want your tech, <laughs> point, you know, like. I know uh, my friend V runs, you know, that uh, Vitaly, he, he's got uh, high-end clothes, right? So a trailer load of these high-end clothes is going to be you know, 300 grand or whatever. You know, he may want to know where his stuff's at at all times. He may have to report that too, right? But me, my truckload of windows is not anywhere near that, you know? I gave it to you and I just need your insurance information, right? I don't need, I don't need your tech. You want your tech to know where your truck's at so you can tell me ETA, but I want you to proactively communicate more than I want any kind of tech. I don't I'm care. I'm glad you brought up uh, insurance too, because I, I can't believe we haven't talked about this, but you've seen this in a, a lot on LinkedIn and Twitter lately talking about claims and you know unpaid claims. Uh, someone just posted today about how a claim took a year to resolve. Um, you know How brokers should actively deal with claims and then carriers, you know, getting in the, the dark about, I mean, you wanted to like touch about, you know, kind of how you handle claims and some of your thoughts on claims. Cause I feel like that's been all over LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere lately, the last like couple of weeks. Oh, this is a claim right here. <laughs> I hate claims. Everybody hates claims. There's so much work and you're getting a fraction of the value and you're putting in, I don't know. I, I would probably say you probably get, from my point of view, if I have a claim, I've probably got 20 to 40 hours in every single claim and it's not worth it. Yep. Plus it's a truckload, right? If it's an LTL shipment, by the time I put 20, 30 hours into that claim, getting all the data and the research and then how was it packaged and all of this, I probably could have just made a new one. So I don't know. Claims are terrible. I hate claims and I hate them. We had a carrier drive out of here and his um, the doors opened up. One of them opened up, got on video, crashed, tore up the door track and everything. We said, hey, here's the video. This is your truck. You know, we don't need a new door and a new doorway and all that, but the door company come and fixed it. We already had that done because we have to shut the door tonight. They said, send us the invoice. We'll take care of it. And they took care of it, right? It took 30 days, whatever. But that's all it was. I mean, it was simple as that. The video really helps a lot. I take a lot of pictures. I ask our carriers to take pictures. I ask our brokers to have their carrier take pictures. So I know it was good when it left. And if there's some problem when it got there, let's talk about it, right? Let's let's find a re resolution that doesn't have insurance companies and stuff involved. And only involve that stuff when you have to, as far as I'm concerned. So there seems to be a lot of headaches when you start insurance companies get involved there's some it's interesting there's some brokers there's certain insurance companies that are being um banned from 
brokers being able to use any carriers that have it just because they're so bad with claims and they're yeah. costing brokers. Yeah, let's just like say the name that I've been well, told. No, there's more than one. There's a major one that uh, like flatbeds, they don't ensure if a driver forgets to tarp and leaves it out in the snow, they won't pay claims. And they're like a major, I'm not going to say there's a, a major insurance providers. Some brokerages I'm hearing are like going away from and It's interesting because there's like 25% of carriers have this insurance too. Wow. But, Dude, the cost of insurance for carriers has gone up like you can't even begin to imagine how hard it is just to get insurance to keep insurance to have insurance uh, i mean you're paying in dollar amounts like for for the amount that some companies want to insure one of your semi trucks like you could buy a new semi truck that year for the yearly amount of insurance um I mean, at a certain point, when does it stop? It's that same way with the car, man. You ever been to Michigan with their no-fault insurance? <laughs> well, Tony, I'm sure you got a – I just realized it's about 530. I'm sure you got uh, you got kids and, you know, a family to go home to eat. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and staying late. Um, yeah, sorry you know, about the time delay. No, no worries. Yeah, we're just we'll – we're just, just glad uh, glad you came on. We you know, really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed having you on, and we have a – a lot of comments here. It's like a lot of people liked uh, liked hearing from you. So, uh, I'm not sure why, but <laughs> cool. Oh, <laughs> well, Tony, it's nice to meet you. Like uh, I haven't Likewise. even spoken to you, you know, much. I don't see much. What of time stuff. is it where you're at? Was it like 2 a.m. or something? Uh, it's almost midnight. We're getting there. <laughs> but, I mean, my body is on Central Time. I mean, it's it's only 4:40 in Central Time, so I'm sure. there. You go. So, I mean, I sleep about 9, 10 p.m. Central time. I wake up around 5, 6 central time. So, my body forgets what country I live in, so we're good there. <laughs> my daughter, uh, yeah, nice to, to get you on. Nice to talk to you, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll speak about some stuff. I'm going to send you a cameo, but I'm going to have to find the funniest <laughs> one. <ever. laughs> you can't do it, man. It's yeah, I'm going to send it to you from, like, my random, <laughs> random email, like, just my personal email. You'll click it one day. It'll say, like, do you need a broker? You'll click it. It'll just be a cameo. <laughs> that's awesome that is a good novel idea though and i don't know i don't that might work probably worth hey, a shot so what's an actual afraid from you we're still thinking about that we're not onboarding anybody <laughs> and don't don't message anybody who's watching this uh don't message tony about drayage either it's not yeah exactly. seriously we don't have i mean i don't know we probably do at some point but i i have nothing to do with any kind of drayage whatsoever and that was a joke from TJ like a year and a half ago, and it just won't go away. Oh, he was the one I heard about that. Yeah, or somebody said you did Drake. People, when we talked to Cause, that episode, that you guys brought that up. Like, yeah, because yeah. it, it was a running thing, but some people were, were like there was somebody serious. from like a thread that was still emailing you that thought it was like a serious, a yeah. serious thing. Yeah. From he's still getting some. stuff about Drake. <laughs> uh, I had our VP one time. I was in. Uh, uh, our distribution center in Tinley Park and the VP of uh, logistics comes up to me and goes, what's this deal with you and Dreyage? I'm like, nothing. It's a joke. Yeah, I'm going to make sure my cameo, I'm writing it down. It has to say something about Dreyage. It's going to be something I've been saying, Tony, we need your Dreyage freight. And I, think I honestly don't even understand all of that. I know how it works, but I don't understand it. That's not my forte. I don't, I don't know anything about it. It cracks me up. Dredge, Dredge would drive me, uh, drive me nuts. Well, it was, uh, it was great having you again, Tony. We'll have to have you on again, and uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Maybe next time I won't wear a deer sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time I will. I have one with cats, and it says Santa Paws. That's mine. Nice. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Great to meet you, Alex. Take it yeah, easy, thanks, Tony. Tony. We'll keep talking. All right.
Well, that was a that was a good one. Um, uh, that was really good. I'm glad, a lot uh, of phone problems Tony. today between you, Tony, everybody. Well, a lot of phone issues today. Yeah, we got it. Uh, we got everything resolved and uh, got on. And yeah, I'm looking forward to. We got another show for you guys coming up uh, Friday as well. It might have actually two shows on Friday for the first uh, first time. Um, but yeah, if you haven't uh, followed us, shoot us a follow on YouTube, on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, Real Freight Talk on YouTube and uh, LinkedIn. Alex is on Twitter now. I don't know how much he's doing with our Twitter. Yeah, I've, uh, if people may or may not have noticed, I've been off social media this week, just besides this podcast. Um, I took, I guess, as the kids would start calling it these days, a mental health week or a mental health break from social media. Um, but yeah, that's been fun. I mean, I just kind of do my job, turn off my computer and don't look at my phone. It's been like <laughs> been a good couple of days, to be honest. Sometimes you need that uh, need that reset. Well, um, yeah. I was fun, Alex, and uh, we'll be uh, we back on uh, either tomorrow or Friday, guys. On Friday. Big shout out to HD Ships as the sponsor, and uh, I mean, call it a, call it a day, man. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to HD Ships again, and have a uh, have a great uh, great day, guys.